Welcome to Women Winning Divorce. I am your host, Heather Quick. I am an attorney, entrepreneur, author, and founder of Florida Women's Law Group, the only divorce firm for women by women. I love thinking big, thinking outside the box, creating creative solutions for women and empowering women to win in all aspects of their life. Our approach at Florida Women's Law Group is to provide women with a strategy to not only achieve their objectives, but win at life. I believe that what may show up as adversity is simply an opportunity to change and improve your life. In each episode, I sit down with innovative professionals and leaders who are focused on how you can be your best self before, during, and after divorce. In these conversations, we are looking at how women can win at life. I have the unique opportunity to meet women when they are at a transition period of life, but that is only the beginning to becoming your best self and winning at life on your terms. With our guests, we enjoy the opportunity to explore ways all women can win and enhance their life, no matter where they are in their journey, because divorce is just a point in life, not the end and not what defines you, rather a catalyst for your growth. Welcome to this week's episode of Women Winning Divorce. I'm Heather Quick, owner and attorney at Florida Women's Law Group. And today I'm being joined by Rhonda Nordyke, certified divorce financial analyst, which, okay, we're going to get into that, I promise listeners, and founder and CEO of the Women's Women's Financial Wellness Center, which sounds awesome. Also, Rhonda is the host of the Divorce Conversations for Women podcast. Welcome, Rhonda. That's a lot. That was a mouthful. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being on here. There is so much just within your intro that we have got to talk about because today we are talking about how to prepare your finances for divorce. Um, and I I do want to talk, I, I've met over the years and worked with many certified divorce financial analysts, but I want our listeners to really understand what that means because it's an important designation that not not everybody has for sure. Not a lot of people have. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the certified divorce financial analyst credential, if you will, right, is something that really is intended to help financial experts dive a little bit deeper into the aspects related to the divorce process. And, you know, what's interesting is prior to me starting my company, which is almost nine years ago, I was in the financial industry um, and I left to be able to open up Women's Financial Wellness Center. And so I'm using my CDFA credentials a little bit differently in a sense that I'm not affiliated with a particular firm. Um, I'm not, you know, doing investment portfolios. I'm not selling insurance. I'm specifically working, helping women navigate through the financial aspects of the divorce process. And when it's completed, then I start that process over with somebody else. Um, So I've developed a lot of processes and systems to help women just really make good empowered decisions as they're going through the divorce process. Well, and that's so important. And, you know, I really think it's, it's an advantage for women when they have someone separate from their legal team making them, I mean, we're not helping them necessarily make all these financial decisions, but we're discussing them and what we're prepared, we're looking at where they are now, what exists and, you know, how to, you know, what assets mean, you know, helping them understand that, but obviously if they can get more education from some um, 
from an expert in that area, but also that'll give them more insight into what they do want for their future, which is really what we're trying to do as we are going through the divorce and helping them like look at, well, not all assets are the same and which ones will help you achieve your goals in the future. And, you know, this is your budget now. And, you know, we have alimony in Florida. And if they're a candidate for that, how is that going to help you to, to where you want to be? So having someone with those um, credentials, resources, and experience, I think makes such a big difference for, for women going through a divorce. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it helps the attorneys, right? Because a lot of times the attorneys are saying, okay, what is it that you want? And the clients are like, I don't know. Like that sounding board, right? I just got off the phone just before we hopped on here um, with a client who was saying the same thing. Like the attorney's like, okay, do you want to keep the rentals? Do you not? What is this? And she's like, I don't really know that. So it's yeah. it's actually hindering her from making a decision where I'm going to hop on with her. We're going to spend an hour, talk through some of those things, and she'll be in a better position to go back and say, okay, I have some clarity now on how I want to move forward. And that's great, right? And then then the attorney, like you, can help navigate through um, you know, those next steps once that decision has been made. Absolutely. And you know what happens... Um, Many times, and and I know you have have seen this as well, um, is, you know, the women were entering the divorce process and all of a sudden they have a lot of decisions to make often, right? And and that's something you, if you're not used to making a lot of decisions in a day, you just don't have that experience and it can be so overwhelming. And like, you just haven't used that muscle of, making a decision and you know as a business owner and I was I mean you we have a lot of decisions so that muscle gets used a lot for us but as women coming into a divorce they may not and even if they're used to making decisions say in their professional life or even with the children these are so foreign and it seems so monumental like these decisions and do I want to keep this property or do I want to sell the house and it's a lot and it can be so overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. You shared a little bit. I wanted to you about how you came to specialize, you know, in divorce finances. So you were in a financial firm, right? Like those, all those investment companies, you know, with, with probably a group of people. And I know you said, you know, um, you really wanted to become more specific and focus, I think, on women, right? Going through this process. Yes, absolutely. Well, and really the precipice for my decision was in my area, right? And I work all over the country, but at the end of the day, right, there was a there was a healthcare facility that was launching in my area. And it was designed to help women. And they really wanted to revolutionize the experience for women that were going through, you know, different stages in their life. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, gosh, I wish there was something like that from a financial perspective. And that was very early on in my career uh, in the early 2000s uh, in the financial industry. And I had a lot of women coming through my door saying, Rhonda, I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. I don't know what direction to be going. And I just remember thinking there just has to be a better way, right? Um, And I thought there would be a better way already existing in the marketplace. And at the time there wasn't. So um, we developed Women's Financial Wellness Center to be that space for women. And it's just been really, really fantastic. I mean, my thought, right, similar to yours is, yeah, we want to get them through the process, but I want them to come out of the process with a better understanding of the finances and have a greater confidence for their decision-making capabilities. 
and to really um, a, a great start to their future and, and, and really, you know, set them up for success. And I think it's amazing. And I have not heard of anything like that anywhere. Um, really specific for women and, and financial wellness. I want to understand my finances and help, um, you know, be in control so that then I can have some freedom with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is, you know, I don't hate men. <laughs> I mean, like a lot of it, oh, you know, I've no, I just want women to show up and be empowered and level the playing field, you know, so that they can make good decisions. And I think that's really important. I mean, there's been times when women will say, well, I don't want my, you know, I don't want to take my husband to the cleaners. Well, neither do I. I mean, we, we don't want to do that, but we also don't want you to feel like, you know, you are um, having to struggle more than you need to after the divorce process is over either. Right. Well, and I don't hate men either. I just want to help women. Right. That's right. So there's right. the difference. It's just kind of like, hey, I just want you to win. That's right. I don't really care. I'm not trying to make him lose, but I want you to win. That's and right. And, you know, the law is not going to allow me to take him to the cleaners. But hey, if I can do that for you, I will. I got to tell you, I will. Because... <laughs> I want to get you absolutely as much money as we can because this is this is it. This is the one shot. So I really do. I do feel strongly about that because I do know the law is basically going to split it in half and then we have alimony and different support. But I am committed and our team is to get you in the best situation That's we right. possibly can. Yep. And absolutely. The male, you know, your husband may think you're taking the cleaners, but the reality is so, um, exactly. but anyway, um, now let's talk a little bit I, for our listeners. I'd love to, um, you know, help them understand as far as the certified divorce analysis and that certification, you know, how that differs from say a CPA or a forensic accountant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so first of all, the CPAs are specializing in tax, right? But they're not necessarily doing the projections. They're just looking at, you know, the situation for now and giving some guidance and direction around the tax aspect. A lot of the forensic accountants are CPAs by trade, and then they have additional credentials that allow them to specialize in doing the forensics, which, you know, a lot of times people will hear from their attorney, oh, you should get a forensic accountant. But a lot of times people are, I don't really know what that means, right? right. So it's basically where they're going back and they're tracing and looking for trends they're looking for, you know, lost, wasted, hidden money and things like that. It's, it's a very detailed, specialized um, area. My role um, and the way that I run my business is to be able to have a strategy, look at the big picture, figure out what we need to do. And I have a specific process that I take women through that takes each of the pieces related to the financial aspect. But one of them is identifying gaps. And that's where we take a deeper dive in looking at are there areas where you might need to pull in an additional expert, like a forensic accountant, like a business valuation expert? And if you do, what are you looking for? And what's the scope of their engagement? So I always look at those um, forensic accountants, business valuation experts as add-on services that not everybody's going to need. But if they do, how do we identify if they're a good candidate for that service? What does that look like? What's the scope of the work? How much is it going to be? And do we think that we can move the needle um, by engaging those services? And so my role is kind of a sounding board for people, um, you know, as it relates to that. And then once that information 
comes available, we get the report back, I review the report and then figure out, okay, how does that fit into the whole picture? And, and that is so helpful because, you know, that's what they need. And, it, and it's helpful from you've done that analysis, like, hey, these are the assets. This is what, at least from my perspective, legally, when we're looking at experts, you know, they may, I said, they may need to educate me on, you know, what it is you have and, you know, how those are going to be treated as assets. But usually we got to educate the judge and I'm not the one to do that. We need somebody potentially to come in and testify and say, you know, of course, all these assets, as you know, aren't, you know, treated equally. And, you know, particularly like you made that comment earlier about rental properties. Oh, my gosh. You know, that opens up a lot. And there can be a lot of different tax treatment and ramifications that so it matters because not everyone, every, all these assets are the same. And so it's so often important that one, that expert has, you know, evaluated that, explains that to the client as well as the attorney, but sometimes ultimately the judge or through a mediation process. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, now, have you ever worked in a collaborative divorce team or any of those types of situations? Yeah, absolutely. So I am trained in the collaborative process. Um, and usually I'll play one of two roles. So traditionally, the collaborative process is where there's a financial neutral, um, and that person is intended to crunch the numbers and provide education for both of the parties. Um, but there are times when I'm actually the advocate behind the scenes. I'm aware of the collaborative process. I'm working with my client um, to be able to help them show up to those collaborative meetings and educated and empowered because the neutral can't really give you know, advice or direction, they're there to help Correct. educate and mm -hmm. present the data. Um, and so that has been really helpful. Um, and I think knowing the different options, I love the collaborative process. I think it can be very, very helpful. Um, but the role that I play kind of depends on the dynamics of the situation. And that makes sense. And, you know, I think, you know, when I know you uh, have some statistics and, and things about divorces, with, particularly with women, because I think there's a reason, you know, we're drawn to help women in this case in, in divorces, particularly financially, because, I mean, what do the statistics tend to show? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we know that women initiate, right, divorce 69% of the time. And I always say the reason for that is because women have a threshold for putting up with stuff. And then when they're done, they're done. Like I've given you so many opportunities over the last bunch of years, right? Mm -hmm. To get it together. And finally, then they're just like, I'm done with this. Um, so 69%, we know that most of women spend at least two years contemplating. I think, um, thankfully, by the time they reach out to me, they're usually fairly ready to go. But I think that that's important for people to realize too, like, hey, they don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm getting divorced. It's, they've been thinking about this. They've been contemplating. They've been spending energy and time uh, trying yeah. to figure out what direction they want to go. And then the last one that I think is really relevant, particularly to the work that I'm doing, and it's actually part of my mission, is to help alleviate the number of women whose lifestyle goes down after divorce. And we know that it typically goes down about 41%. And I have some very specific uh, reasons why I think that happens. I think there's um, manipulation. I think there's, you know, bullying that happens. And I think at the end of the day, it can also come down to transparency. Do we have a full picture of what's going on? Um, and do the women understand, you know, what they're signing or signing off on right prior to them doing that? So 
there's a lot of factors that go into it. I think so. And, and one of those is exactly what you said. And I like that bullying because I think, you know, women, they've been thinking about this, they're ready, they're done. And there is a tendency, and this is what I have found in my experience over so many years of helping women through divorce. They're like, I'm just, I just want it over. I'm just doing it. And oftentimes I, I, you know, we give the kind of the pep talk, the speech, but it's like, we're almost there. And I know you are scared to death of a trial. However, just this deal that they're offering or where they are in mediation and these tactics, you, you will do better in front of a judge. The law is, is on your side and you're better off if you can just hang in there because we're almost there. It is going to make a huge difference, you know, for your, your future. And, um, but many times, um, you know, women don't have that advice from either someone like you or their attorney and they just, like, I can't deal with it anymore. And, and so they end up settling for less um, than, you know, than they may have been entitled to and, and not fully thinking through their future, which we all have that conversation with them as well, because we're doing your divorce now, like we are dealing in the present, but I am thinking about you in three years from now. And so that's what I want you to think about, because all these things you're like, I don't want this. I don't need this. It's like, well, but you really do. And you're going to feel different in three years. And so let's like take a pause and try to really think about your future. Yeah. As we go through this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what, let's talk a little bit about the first things women should do, you know, as far as taking some financial steps. For themselves, when they're ready to file, or maybe they've already filed, I mean, what would you advise some things that they begin doing that can help empower themselves in support? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I think is related to the expenses, right? And um, I think it's a great time for people to be able to jot down what the expenses are, start being more aware of spending habits and, and things that are going on there. Um, I really believe that the budget is essential for helping to navigate through future negotiations. And, and I know that, you know, as part of most of the disclosure statements, right, for the financial aspect, there is a section on expenses. And I think at the end of the day, you know, it kind of gets uh, minimized, but it is really important because it's the baseline for being able to answer all of the what if questions. Can I buy the home? Can I refinance? How much can I pay for health insurance? I mean, all those questions really come back to the budget and it does play into the support conversations as well. Um, you know, very much so. Right. So that's, that's one that I would say, you know, is certainly an important part of it. The other part is, you know, starting to gather and organize financial documents. And I know that this can be overwhelming for people, but I always say women make really good private investigators when they have to be, because all of a sudden they're like, oh, look, I found in the recycling bin a bunch of statements. Oh, imagine that. Like they, yeah. they find <laughs> they find things, which is awesome. Right. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, that can be really helpful. Um, certainly if people cannot get access to information, I know that's where, you know, the legal aspect comes in. Right. And um, being able to leverage some of the. 
um, whether it's, you know, interrogatories and asking those questions or, um, you know, subpoenaing information. Like, I mean, the attorney plays a really important role in getting some of that information. But the biggest question is, where do we even start looking? Because, you know, you're kind of relying on, you know, both parties to be transparent. So one of the things that we will sometimes do is engage uh, private investigators to help with asset searches. And it's very fascinating because we are usually able to really identify some clues that then at least helps the attorney know where to be looking. Um, And it's been a game changer for many of our clients. My role in that is to help facilitate that and then help get the information back, take a look at it, review it, and then deliver that um, to the client. So they're just not getting a, a lot of information that can be a little bit of a sucker punch sometimes when you're like, he has what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where? What's going on? Um, so it can be a little bit unsettling. Two other things really quick. One is requesting the tax transcripts from the IRS. Um, if you're not able to access previous tax returns and you're like, I think I've quote unquote signed them in the past, but haven't seen any, that's an easy way for people to be able to request that information. The caveat to that, that I learned recently, that's a little tricky is if they haven't filed joint in the past, which they're married and filed separate, then they're not going to be able to access that. But as long as they've filed joint, it's a good way for them to gather information. And then the other part that I have found that just kind of helps neutralize some of the emotions around the finances is when you find information, you find a statement, um, you find an email, you find something that is, you say, hmm, isn't that interesting? And what it does is it helps kind of neutralize the what is going on here? You know, we get kind of emotionally charged. So this is a good place for people to, to just kind of remember. Well, I think that's great, right? Remember being curious, although very often, like you said, you're going to be like, yes, what? Like this happened, <laughs> what? Like, so the anger, there are going to be emotions. For sure. Um, so I know that it's difficult to, you know, keep that um, in play. But again, it's being curious and understanding that's the first step is getting all of this information. And then we'll figure out what to do with it and how, um, you know, how it plays out. For everything for sure yeah absolutely but, um, you know and then also um i think you were gonna say something about like the credit like getting your credit report can also because then you might have more things under your name than you were aware of as well right so that can be a very good Point. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite tools related to that is Credit Karma because it's, you know, free um, and it gives us proactive. So rather than us having to go out and pull the credit report and kind of remember to stay on top of it, it's out of sight, out of mind. It sends us an email or it sends us a text message when there has been a change uh, to the credit report. And so I've been using it for eight years just as, you know, a great way to be able to monitor that. And it's been helpful to see. And that really is great for everybody with like so much that goes on, you know, with identity theft and everything. And again, increasing your financial like intelligence, awareness, just is a good thing for anybody. But, um, well, let's take a short break. That's a good spot. We'll be right back. Um, and if this is your first time listening to Women Winning Sports, I'd love to subscribe and leave us a five-star review if you are finding value in this episode. Um, but please stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Well, welcome back listeners. Today I'm joined by Rhonda Nordyke and we're discussing how to prepare your finances for divorce. And prior to the break, we were discussing organizing your finances. Now, I know that for some of you, you're like, I don't want to organize my finances. And this is not, you know, an interesting episode, but I encourage you to stay on because Rhonda, she has a podcast, Divorce Conversations with Women. Um, and you've also started a series with that, correct? Uh, a false sense of that, that, yes. that. Um, what is that about? Yeah, so I wanted to do a solo series um, and basically was identifying some of the patterns of things that I was seeing. And one of them that we did was a false sense of amicability um, where people think, oh, we're just going to be amicable. We're going to, you know, skip through the tulips and everything's going to be great. You're like, hmm. Um, and then the other one is a false sense of financial security. And what I was seeing there where people would say, oh, my husband said, don't worry about it. You know, he'll, I'll be well taken care of. He'll come and mow my grass. He'll clean the pool. I'm like, seriously, what is going on here? Um, and what it does is it keeps women at bay. It keeps us from asking good questions. It keeps us from digging in a little bit deeper. And, um, and I'm also working on one right now on the false sense of justice. And what does that look like? Um, so, you know, this has been a really fun episode just to address some of the things that I'm seeing to help empower women to say, listen, you know, it's okay to ask questions and get engaged um, you know, as you're going through this process. I, I think that's amazing. Cause as you were saying that, um, right. Like he's going to keep going mowing the grass. I mean, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's heard that from uh, a client. And I know he's not like that. It's not true. And that like whole paternalistic approach, like you're going to be okay. It's all, I'm going to take care of you. And maybe, maybe not, but like, you still ought to ask questions and not be afraid of, Oh, but if I push him, then he won't. And if I ask or if he thinks, and that's really hard because, you know, of the dynamics that the relationship had. And for a lot of women, I know that's a struggle. And so I think that is an amazing series to help them see, hopefully see it differently. And, and that's the whole thing. Like, why is it so wrong for a woman to say, well, I want an attorney and I want to be educated through this divorce? How is that attacking their husband or saying, I don't trust you or saying that I'm going to make this this most adversarial thing? Like, I just want to stand up for myself. And I think too often women are more inclined to feel badly about that and feel as if that is some aggressive gesture when it's a very prudent thing to do when you're going through a divorce and you've got money, kids, if you've got anything. You ought to have legal advice on on how this is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things I will often tell people is, listen, I think no matter what you do is probably going to tick them off. So how about you do something that's going to be helpful for you? (laughs) You know, I mean, it's true. You know, it is. And right. And I mean, you guys are getting a divorce. And so it's. And it is hard. I know many women who, and even afterwards, and like there's some contempt maybe issues or there's some stuff. And they're like, I just don't want to upset him. Is any of us not paying? And it's just a, it's a pattern that I think that they've been in for so long. And the there's this power that 
you know, their husband may hold with the knowledge of the finances. And I'm not even talking about, you know, any kind of abuse or anything. They just know more. Maybe they've been in control a bit more and you just don't know, right? And and sometimes things happen during a divorce and then that can even make it more unnerving. Let's talk about this. Like, um, you know, because I know you have some other comments like on the, on the, you know, the false sense of security, but you know, when husband's like, you keep the house, I'll keep my pension. Like, how do you even know if that's a good decision? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the tricky part, right? I think very early on, it's easy for people because it feels comfortable to say, hey, we're just going to agree to these things. You do this, I'll do that. You know, you keep this, I'll keep that. But I always encourage women in particular to not do that until we have all of the information. Because what happens is women tend to be fairly um, respectful and they want to honor their word, right? And so they say yes to these things. And then they feel later like they're, you know, why do I want to go back on my word? I told them I would do this. And they end up backing themselves into a corner because they now have more information, you know, to make a good decision. And they haven't signed anything. And yes, they can still make, you know, those decisions and change their mind, but they end up creating more inner turmoil for themselves than what they really need to. And so I just say, hey, you know what, just say, hey, I'm happy to make a swift decision when I have all of the information, you know, and just kind of be a little bit of a broken record until we get to that point in the process um, to be able to help. And, you know, oftentimes, and I'm done, I'm pretty certain this happened to you before, because I, I hear a lot of things that happen and, and a client will come in and say, well, this is really what we've agreed to. And I just need you to tell me. And, is, you know, should I sign this? It's like, well, I haven't represented you and I haven't seen the financials. So I I don't know. I don't know if the business is worth anything. I don't, I need to know what's in the pension, what's in the house. You know, there's a lot of things and your, your goals, like it's just so much more than that because we got to do our due diligence in order to really advise you as to whether or not these things that, in theory, sound good because you don't want to have the conflict and you want to believe that he has your best interest at at heart. But I, I you know, would submit he's got probably his best interest at heart first, um, based on my experience, and your <laughs> second. And so that may just not work out as well for you. Um, okay, now this is great. Okay, so. Um, the, is it now? Do you call it the the dam method or the dam method? I don't know. Tell me about that. Well, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> so I I end up calling it the dam method, but for me, I don't uh-huh. swear. So it's like you know, um, it's like really the, like the the they hold the water back. That's right. right. That that's what we're talking. About. Yes, that kind of dam. It is. About? It is. Right. And it really ties nicely into some of my other offerings, right? With I have a program that's called the bridge. And so I say, choose the bridge over the dam. So that's good. Um, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you know, I came up with this because I just love acronyms. um, And I think people really resonate with it. And that is, hey, what are you experiencing when it comes to, you know, the transparency around the financials? And I always tell people, like, be aware if you start noticing that somebody is implementing the damn method that you that becomes now a red flag for you. 
Um, and then, of course, the question is, what do we do about it, which is where, you know, your role comes in, Heather. But at the end of the day, right, it's the D is dodging the disclosure. How many times do we say, well, yeah, but the court system says that they're supposed to have it in by, you know, X amount of days and those days come and go and they just continue to avoid it, right? So that's the D. The A is avoiding getting assets valued. This could be a business. Oh, the business is doing terrible and it's not worth anything. Or a classic car that we can't Kelly Blue Book to determine what the value is. Or, you know, a host of other things, right? So we have really tried to help educate and empower our clients to say, hey, you know what? I'm not just necessarily going to accept the value um, of what they tell me that they think it's worth. I just really want to have it valued. And, and it always ends up paying off for people, um, you know, because it usually is, you know, it's worth more than what they're being told that it is. Um, and of course we don't want to get in the weeds. We're not talking about like, you know, the pots and pans and that kind of stuff. It's the bigger items that, you know, the tools, the trailers, the snowmobiles, the... And, and the collection sometimes, like the guns. And, and sometimes there is artwork, jewelry that you it's really worthwhile, don't you yeah. think? To get yeah, great. absolutely. It, it really is the only way for us to really know what those really specialty items are worth. You know, boats are tricky. You know, boats are tricky because, again, there are a lot of the, from my experience, a lot of the boat dealers don't really want to do that. They're like, I want to sell boats. I don't want to value them. Like, you know, they, they just don't really want to do it. So we have to find people that are willing to do those types of things that not only can provide us the information, but a report that, you know, backs up the values that they're presenting. Exactly. And sometimes even on that, you know, this has come up more often than not, and particularly where we're located in Florida, um, we are surrounded by a lot of water and, you know, a lot of Caribbean and other countries. So I've had um, where they have property in another country and they're like, yep. that's not worth anything. That's not, that's not worth anything, you know, uh, and like, well, how, how do we know? And, you know, really, that's the thing. We as can't really advise clients if we don't have something to go on. Yeah. on on the property or you know there's other things because they do add up yeah absolutely and yeah you're right the international components definitely get a little bit tricky mm -hmm. but yet it again just what you said when they're avoiding they're avoiding getting the asset it's like huh but but you want to keep it so now i mean i'm always naturally <laughs> but then the M, you got to tell the M, the M before the we M. go to break. <laughs> yes, the M, missing uh, supporting documentation. Um, and this is where, you know, basically it's like, oh, hey, here's, I've got all these accounts and here's the information, but no supporting statements, uh, actual statements to back that up. Um, I had a client once who came in, we were in a meeting, she came in with a legal pad and all the accounts were written down. And I'm like, well, you know, well, I trust him. Great. Then let's get the supporting documentation for what's on the legal pad. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really important to find the documents. Um, and, and a lot of times with that, too, the other part of it is sometimes people will create chaos with all of the documents. I mean, there's a client right now, I've got an almost 800 page document of just stuff. Right. And it is well organized, yeah. but they create so much. Right. Uh, in hopes that you don't ask for the other stuff that's not in there. Yes. So, um, <laughs> It can, it makes you suspicious for one. And so it should give you pause. 
if you have any of those, be like, maybe I should be a little bit more diligent. At the very least, right? That's right. If those things are going on. But um, we're going to take another quick break. And um, if you're listening to Women Winning Divorce and it's your favorite part of the week, please subscribe and leave a review for us. And when we get back, we are going to discuss the divorce gap with Ron. And we will be right back. Well, we are back from our last break. And again, today I'm joined by Rhonda Nordyke. Rhonda, you've got an incredible blog on your website that discusses the divorce gap. So I would love it if you can tell us more about this phenomenon to our listeners and for me. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of different aspects of this, but the one area that I think is really important is what could be considered the wage gap, right? It's It kind of falls under that umbrella um, of the divorce gap. And basically what it's saying is, hey, you know what, one particular party may be further down the path than the other in their career. Um, and it just really impacts the overall livelihood of both the parties, right, as they're, you know, contemplating or going through divorce. And um, now there, um, in addition to that, like, what is like the, you know, the idea that women then, you know, take all the money and go off and live this lavish, luxurious lifestyle after divorce. Um, right. How often have you seen that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have not. Um, I, I would say that, um, I would say, again, it's not that they're, you know, taking their spouse to the cleaners and moving to, you know, Bermuda. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there certainly have been times, right? Majority of the time when we're working with people, they can, women can leave. They can um, establish themselves as having a really good financial, you know, uh, trajectory moving forward. But yeah, there is a definitely a perception, right, that I think is just not inaccurate. So ending a divorce in a way that's financially beneficial and emotionally favorable requires a balance that, you know, that equal parts, right? Gathering the right information, refusing to be bullied, like we talked about, and signing an agreement that you're not 100% happy with. And people will say, you know, well, nobody's going to be happy in the divorce, I think that that you know I think at the end of the day right we have to we have to look at things from a realistic perspective are we going to be 100% happy I think when we know that we've made educated and empowered decisions we know that we can be happy with those decisions and I, we can put happy in air quotes but you know it, it's it's one of those things where I think it's really it comes down to the education and empowerment knowing that they make a, made a well educated decision and I, you know, what I agree with, and I, I don't like bringing happy into it because for heaven's sakes, we already have enough emotions in divorce. I really like to look at it like, are we going to achieve your goals? And, and that's really how we do it. Um, because after years of practicing, I thought I'm going about this the wrong way. And I, I should not presume I know where somebody wants to be or what they want to be. I need to ask them. And we need to really have goals. And now let's create a strategy to achieve those goals, because if we can achieve your goals and get you closer through this divorce, then you are winning. It has nothing to do with him losing. Like, frankly, it really doesn't. It is your path to achieve your goals. And that comes with having an understanding of the financial picture, right? And and understanding where you are, what exists, and under depending on what state you're in, you know, how those laws are going to apply to you. Um, because 
often, and, and that's why, you know, earlier in the show, when I said, you know, I do want to get women in the best financial spot possible. Um, now, if they're the wage earner, if they're the breadwinner, and they, I, I find women, um, it, it hurts them more to, to give up their half their retirement and all of those things. But depending on what age they are, I explained to them, especially they're in their 50s, I was like, you're really hitting your stride. If you're in an executive position, you're going to recoup it. And if you're the uh, on the other side, you're not the breadwinner. It's like, he's going to recoup it. So we got to, you know, don't feel bad that he can't believe you're going to take all of this retirement. This is your retirement because in Florida, that's marital. And you don't have a job at that level where you're going to be able to accrue that much. So it really is important because that's where that gap, I think, totally happens because that husband, if he is the breadwinner and doing well, he's going to a lot of that that came out in that property distribution and you know we do have alimony in florida and various different types but it's not going to be half his income even though that would be nice and and, and that's I, I agree with most women like yeah i wish i, I could do that but it's not going to be half to be half of the assets and debt but um you know it it isn't going to be the same right it's now two households and basically, it's still that one income, and you're getting some support and assets. It's going to be different, but if you under can begin to conceptualize like what exists, and then how you can make that life for yourself, the majority of women I know that we talk to, you know, they are worried. That is the number one fear. Like, how are we going to be financially? And I think when they, when I, if there is, you know, if the husband works. Um, and there are assets, it's not, you know, a lot of debt and, and not much there. But if there is, I can say, you know, I can't give them the figures, but I can say there's enough there. So you're going to be okay. You may not be out on that yacht, but you really weren't on that yacht before. So, um, you know, but, you know, if you can get realistic about your goals and how you want to live moving forward, I think you can be okay and, and educate yourself. Right. And, and get that financial wellness. So now you know what to do with what you've received out of this divorce and how to work with other financial experts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's really important for our for our listeners, you know, after divorce, because you see them before, maybe during and hopefully after to get them with somebody like invest this money. Right. Understand and and. And still play an active part. Don't repeat that pattern, right? With a financial advisor, not be involved with your money. Yeah, absolutely. We have gotten pretty much the end of our show. I have so many things that I know that we could discuss uh, without a doubt, Rhonda. But um, before we go, um, can you impart on our listeners what you have learned about divorce, representing and teaching women? throughout your career? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would just like to leave with a little bit of encouragement. And that is, you know, a lot of times when women reach out, they say, Rhonda, I'm really smart. And I say, well, of yeah, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, that's a non-starter, right? Like, yes, you are. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a couple things to keep in mind. And that is that you can um, walk in financial confidence. And the formula for that is having the knowledge 
and the experience. Because if we have the knowledge without the experience, it's theory. If we have the experience without the knowledge, it's trial and error. But when we have those two things working together, you really can use this opportunity. And I say it as an opportunity, right, for transformation, to re to re-engage with your financial confidence, to get your mojo back about the finances, to, you know, to really walk in your power moving forward and make really good decisions. And um, I love being able to see that part as women are going through this process and happy to be a part of that for many, many women. Well, I thank you so much because what you are doing in your company is fabulous. Um, We need more, more, of those around, but hopefully this helps with many of our listeners to know that you exist um, and that there is a women's financial wellness. It's great. We got to empower ourselves and there's no reason not to, and there's nothing to be afraid of. So thank you again so much for being on our show today. And if you or someone you know is going through a divorce or thinking about a divorce, course, reach out to us at thefloridawomenslawgroup.com or join our Facebook group, Women Winning Sports. The link will be below in the episode description, as well as the information to find out more about Rhonda Nordyke and the Women's Financial Wellness Center. And please leave us a five-star review and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Women Winning Divorce. My goal is to elevate your life and the way you are thinking so that you are best equipped to win at life. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so you automatically get my new shows every week. And I would love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social and join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce. We welcome your comments and suggestions. We want to bring you content that helps move your life forward. Women Winning Divorce is the place for an elevated conversation on how women can thrive during times of adversity in order to live their best life.